Welcome into the Pursuit of Manliness podcast, where we are vigorously equipping men to pursue biblical manliness. My name is Jarrett Samuels. I'm the host of the podcast. Men, as always, I'd like to begin by thanking you for checking out today's podcast episode. On Friday, we're sponsored by Dark Water Woodwork, darkwaterkc.com. That link is in the show notes. I want you to know if you visit darkwaterkc.com and you put in today's discount code, you will save 15% off of your beard care products. You say, what is the discount code? I'll give that to you later on in the show. Now, one of the things I really respect about Doug and what he does is the money he collects, he gives a portion of that to help fight human trafficking. January is Human Trafficking Awareness Month. And if you go to his website, you're going to see a few t-shirts there. That He's got more information on his Facebook page, more information on his website. But I want you to know about it. So if you go there and you're there looking for beard care products, maybe you check the shirts out and say, hey, I can help raise awareness. I can help raise some money for a good cause. Men, it's time for today's podcast episode. Well, men, we wrapped up December talking about the birth of Jesus and then even a couple years after that. And I thought, you know what? I've always wanted to do this. And uh, I think this is the right time to do it. I always wanted to do a series on the life of Christ. Just from Christmas to Easter. This year, Easter is on March 31st. So I don't know exactly how many Fridays that is. I think it's like 14. So the goal is we're going to walk through the Gospel of Mark uh, for the next 14 weeks. I'm covering the entire book of Mark. I'm not going to cover... All the chapters, I'm going to double dip in a couple chapters, but we're going to look at the life of Christ. Today we're going to start with Mark 1, 9 through 13, the baptism and temptation of Jesus. I'm just going to read a little bit and we'll just dive in it together. It says, in those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. When he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. A voice came from heaven that said, you are my Beloved son, and with you I am well pleased. Now, Isaiah 55, 8 through 9 talks about God's ways are not our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. I mean, you read this text, this text, and the one following that we're going to get into, and you say, yeah. If I'm going to send my son to earth, God has this, has this power and this perspective to send his son to earth. He sends him to a lowly couple. He's born in a barn, if you will. Um, he overlooked in, in every aspect the the baptism where he's going to just rip heaven open and, and communicate, this is my son, this is it, and then he sends him out in the wilderness. The beginning of Jesus' public ministry here is, is a perfect example that God's ways are not our ways. It starts not in a thriving metropolis, but in the rugged wasteland of the Judean wilderness near the Dead Sea. Jesus doesn't start the ministry with a press conference. He doesn't get you know, a blue check mark. He doesn't get a big following or nothing, but with a baptism. He doesn't have a parade. Just, just a baptism. Just, just a identifying with us. A declaration of sonship. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by, the jo- by John in the Jordan. Jesus comes to John to be baptized, an event so significant that it's mentioned in all four Gospels. Mark's going to use this word baptize or baptism six times in the first nine verses of the book, but this is still a surprising act, right? 
The baptism is the beginning of his humiliation as he faithfully submits to the Father's will and willingly identifies himself with sinful humanity. You say, why would he do that? That that seems so strange. It's not any more strange to be baptized in the Jordan River than for the Son of God to hang on a cross at Calvary who is sinless and spotless, but to be an atoning sacrifice for our sins, to bear the consequences, the weight, if you will, of our sins, that's just a strange. So Jesus' baptism is an inauguration of his public ministry. Jesus came from Nazareth. It's a small town, the middle of nowhere. The region of Galilee was despised because of the distance from Jerusalem. Uh, it had an infestation of, of, of Gentiles. I said, boy, can anything good come from that place? We all have that place around us, that place growing up that there's a town that you hear it and you say, man, can anything good come from there? That's kind of like the town I grew up in. People think that all the time. Could anything good come from there? No, I don't know. The town of Nazareth, man, was just a little bit worse. Unknown and unmentioned. Jesus was a nobody from nowhere. In our day and age, everybody wants to be a somebody. Everybody wants to be validated. Everyone wants to be an influencer. Everyone wants to, you know, be a, the celebrity, the star of their own show. Jesus does it just the opposite way. Jesus' baptism identifies himself with sinful humanity. And he is the, he is the son of God. He, he could have done anything. He had angels show up to shepherds and, and, and proclaim the birth, his birth. A, a multitude, an army, a whole host of angels show up. He could have had the same thing happen here, but he doesn't do that. Jesus neither repents of sin nor confesses of sin because he doesn't have any sin. Still, he is aligning himself with those who he came to save. Now, Jesus does not hesitate to connect himself to John the Baptist regarding the fulfillment of the prophecy and his message of repentance. No one had a higher praise for John the Baptist than Jesus. Let's read Mark 1.10. And when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. That word immediately is so important in Mark's gospel. As a matter of fact, it's so important, it's today's discount code. All capital letters, one word. Here it's translated as soon as. So as soon as Jesus comes out of the water, the Holy Spirit descends on him through an opening of the sky. You see the heavens being torn open. This is just like the, the temple curtain being torn from top to bottom. God says, no more divide. No more silence. No more distance. He lets him know, this is my son. This is who you're looking for. John Piper said this when Jesus was baptized along with all the repenting people who wanted to be on God's side. It was though the commander-in-chief had become had come to the front lines. He had fastened his bayonet, strapped on his helmet, and jumped into the trench along with the rest of us. You see, we're entering an election year. One of the things people do when they run for office is they try to identify with you. So if you're at a place and you wear a shirt with your name on it, guess what they're going to do? They're going to walk in with one of those denim type shirts with their name on it and they might have a lunch pail and they're going to tell you how I'm just like you and you work at a lumber yard, they're going to go put a flannel shirt on, some boots and they're going to dress the part to try to tell you, no, 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 I'm just like you. The reality is not at all. 
we, we couldn't be further apart. Jesus doesn't need to do this, yet he's going to identify with us. He's not just going to identify with us to try to get our vote. He's going to identify us to save our soul. His baptism declares the type of Messiah that he's going to be. This declaration of the Father's love in this moment cannot be overstated or overlooked. No prophet had ever heard words spoken like this, like God just spoke of Jesus. You go through scripture, Abraham was a friend. Moses was a servant. Aaron was a chosen one. David was described as a man after God's own heart. But here, Jesus encompasses all that. Friend, servant, chosen one, a man after God's own heart. Here he is, God in the flesh, uh, be, the Son of God becoming the Son of Man. Of all, Again, all the ways to start this thing. This is God saying, you have my approval. You are the promised Messiah King. You are my, my great delight. He's telling the audience, you don't need to look any further. He's right here in front of you. Go on to verse 12. The Spirit immediately, there's that word again, immediately drove him out into the wilderness. And he was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by Satan and he was with the wild animals and the angels were ministering to him. The temptation of Jesus is a declaration of war. A commissioning of God, by God is often followed by a time of testing. The gospel, the gospel of Mark gives us a brief summation of the war in the wilderness, if you will. When, when I baptize someone, when I talk to someone about coming to Jesus and we, we repent of our sins, we're going in the waters of baptism, Romans 6, 4, we're being raised to walk in that new life, I'll let them know there, new life and new creation, old is gone, new has come. Man, but keep your head on a swivel. Satan is going to do everything he can to try to defeat you, distract you, destroy you, but he can't. He can't, but he can frustrate you. He can get your eyes off the cross. Uh, he can get you further from community. He can get you where you isolate yourself. He can get you to give up on reading the word. I mean, he, he could try to do a lot of things. And don't miss this. You are a new creation. That old, that old person, all gone here. The battle for Jesus begins right here. And it rages all the way to the cross. And the culmination is the empty tomb. Praise God. Here is Christ in deadly combat, combat for the eternal souls of men. If Jesus loses, we're lost. Mark says he was in the wilderness for 40 days being tempted by Satan. He was with wild animals and the angels were ministering to him. This is deep in the wilderness. This is not a vacation spot. You read about the wilderness. We do pursue wilderness, right? What's pursue wilderness? Just get outside. Go to the woods. Go find a creek. Go for a walk. Get some dirt under your soles, right? Like, man, go, go, go do something. Get, some, get that good air in your lungs. That's, that's not what's happening here. Deep in the wilderness, the conditions are grueling, and Jesus is undoubtedly tired. He's hungry. He's weak. Uh, he's, 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 he's lonely, right? Like, but the angels are there ministering to him, but physically, like, he doesn't have relations. Like, you and I could see each other and talk to each other, encourage each other, you know, like, come on, man, get fist bump each other. He doesn't have that. A few things about this that would have made it difficult. Again, G Satan meets Jesus in the wilderness. It's, it's not a garden. He's been fasting for 40 days. Again, relationally, he's alone. The angels are ministering to him. You know, when we walk with God, we never walk alone. But boy, it's good to have some people that are iron sharpening iron, right? Some people that come alongside you that we help carry one another's burdens. He didn't have that. 
And the wilderness is filled with wild animals. The wild animals, the, the connotation here is uh, that they're almost partnering with Satan. Now, this is important. Mark's audience, especially Romans during the uh, Neronian persecution, A.D. 64 to 68, the Roman historian Tacitus wrote in his annals, Christians were covered with the hides of wild beasts and torn to pieces by dogs. People would associate wild animals with adversity and persecution. So including that detail undoubtedly heightens the horror and danger of our Lord's 40 days in the desolate, untamed Judean wilderness. It appears that Jesus has stumbled into Satan's home field. It's a divine invasion on enemy territory. What's Satan's goal? He wants to defeat the Son of God. Ultimately, it seems that Satan's goal was not to get was to get Jesus to not suffer. Isn't that what he tries to do with us? Don't suffer. If you're walking with Jesus and things get difficult, well, something must have went wrong. It didn't take. Uh, may, may, maybe I need to do it over. Maybe I need. You know, he wants you to pursue comfort. He tells Jesus, "I'll give you bread. You'll get praise. You'll get this that." He tries to meet him right where he would have been the weakest. Satan was at the baptism, I'm sure. He heard it all. He saw it all. The suffering and the death of Jesus meant Satan's doom and destruction. If I can defeat this one, then it's over. But that, was, that wasn't going to happen. This is what is at stake at the war in the wilderness. I mean, I started out this podcast talking about, you know, God's ways are not our ways. I mean, I think most of us would hear that and say, Yep, amen. I, I, I agree with that. Some of them, some of God's ways we enjoy, sometimes we have to be reminded, boy, God is on his throne. I remember a quote from Tim Keller. He wrote, uh, God's will is what we would pray for if we had all the information. You ever been praying for something and you kind of work in there, but God, I want your will to be done, but I really, you know, you're really thinking I really want this to happen, but but God, I want your will to be done. How many times have you been on the other side of a trial or a, a negative experience only to look and see that's how God was working? I'm so thankful he didn't answer that prayer. I'm so grateful he didn't open that door. I'm so grateful that that situation didn't play out the way that I was hoping it would. You, you're able to step back and see how God was working and all those details. It's, it's, if, you, if you doubt any of that, you say, I don't know, then look at the text today. Here's the Son of God identifying with man. He's baptized. Heaven's torn open. The Spirit comes down. He says, this is my beloved Son. Listen to Him. I'm well pleased. All the things... And then he goes out in the wilderness and he's tempted. This, this is, but this is the story of, of good news. Jesus entered into the world not as Adam found it. When Adam was created, Adam found a perfect world. The problem is Adam left it far worse than he found it. Right? What, what do you tell your kids or what should you tell your kids? Leave it better than you found it. Like when we leave a hotel room. I didn't used to be this way. But after marrying my wife, I'm this way. All the towels go in this spot. All the things going in this like We almost clean our own room before we leave our hotel room. I'm like, they, you know, they pay people to do this. But the reality is, let's leave it really good. Let's leave it in a condition that the people that come in after us would appreciate it. The battle in the wilderness is a result of the way Adam left the world. 
But what happens in the wilderness is the way that Jesus is going to save the world. He's going to overcome death. He's going to overcome Satan. He's going to overcome all the consequences of us living in a fallen world and give us a hope beyond the grave. The story of Christianity is not a story of God who is distant or afar or we have to hope that somehow maybe if we just did all the a b and c's and get them all lined up just right perhaps then he would be pleased with us it's a story of god who comes to us as a person as jesus did into this wilderness of a world and he overcomes and brother there 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 can be some dark days man there there can be some days where you say i don't know if i got it there could be some days, especially I think in these winter months where we can just, it gets dark and dreary and, and men get depressed and they get isolated and it's cold and darker longer. I want you to know, man, don't give up. We serve a God who does not give up on us, but we serve a God who demonstrated that we are more resilient than we realize in Christ we are far more resilient than we would ever be apart from him. So if you don't know Christ, I would, I would encourage you to reconcile that. You don't have to take my word for it. You get in the word and you read it yourself. But after you do that, man, get with someone that you know is sound in their faith and have a conversation with them. But for you men who do know Christ, you, you've reconciled that. You've repented of your sins. You continually repent of your sins. I want you to know light always overcomes darkness. And if you feel like you're in a wilderness, man, reach out to some guys. Reach out to some people. Find some guys in your church. Find some guys in our quiet life group. Find some guys in the herd, wherever. There's a reason why all these things exist is because we're trying to create this global community that every guy will know, man, I got somebody I can reach out to. Christians are not immune to the challenges of this world. We are not immune to the obstacles and the problems, but we are immune to the consequences of living in a fallen world because our eternity is secure in Jesus Christ. Amen. So I would encourage you to check that out. Read Mark 1. Read the whole chapter for that matter. Man, thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Let's keep pursuing biblical manliness.